Amen, amen, amen. Take me a minute here to get all this stuff going. I want to welcome everybody who's watching this evening by means of the, the internet. Glad to have you with us uh, that way, even though you're not here in person, we're glad to have you with us. Amen tonight. Praise the Lord. going to be uh, talking this evening, and I uh, don't think I will be able to finish everything that I want to get to tonight. We might have to bleed it over into next week, but I want to talk about prayer and the importance of it. Um, And I'm going to take it a different way than what we uh, uh, normally you might think a Bible lesson about prayer is. Um, Because I believe that prayer is something that we all fall short on. Uh, I think we all could improve our prayer life. Um, We we get so involved in life and life gets so hectic and we got so many things going that it's hard to get good quality prayer time. Um, I try to do my personal prayer time now very early in the morning. Um, I like that time when I, when I get, get up um, um, and the house is quiet, and I go ahead and get ready for work and go in a particular place I like to sit um, and to pray and to study and to meditate. Um, but I have found by talking to people that a lot of people have a difficulty focusing their mind when it comes to praying, um, and they don't know uh how to pray uh, and, and all of that, and and the and the and the good way to pray, and I feel like that if we can make prayer a little bit more interesting to us, that it will help us in our prayer life. And um, now, I have taught on the Tabernacle of Moses many many times. Um, I can't think about the, mention the times that we've talked about and went through that, but um, what I'm going to do is tie that in with prayer. And um, what we're going to be talking about and studying about is praying through the tabernacle. Um, uh, Bishop Mangan in uh, Alexandria, Louisiana, um, started doing this years ago, um, and um, he prayed through the tabernacle every day. That was his first prayer that he would pray every day. And now 
they have actually in that church, they got an area in that church that they've got the tabernacle of Moses set up, the furniture and everything, and um, people go through that and stop at each area and pray. And um, when we get into this uh, tonight, I think you're going to find this interesting, and it's a good thing uh, to do. Um, We don't realize how important that the tabernacle is even to us still today. Amen. We are, it's it's very much a part of our Christian uh, walk uh, with the Lord. And when I get through this, um, I'm going to have a few copies made that um, you can use as a prayer guide if you'd like to get one of these uh, and, uh, and use it and do this in your personal prayer life <coughs> uh, and using the tabernacle as a prayer guide. Now, in the book of Exodus, uh, the 25th chapter, and going actually through, uh, I think, uh, the 30th chapter, God gave detailed instructions to Moses on Mount Sinai for the building of a tabernacle uh, uh, to house his presence. Um, The tabernacle was all about getting into the presence of God. A lot of things was involved and there's a lot of things that they did. But it was the basic thing was getting people in to the presence of God. And it's something that God desired. It's something that God desired for his people. And do you know that's how that we actually get into the presence of God is through prayer? Amen. We get into his presence. I got a confirmation even on a Wednesday night. The first course that we sung, I will enter his gates. When she come up with that, I thought, wow. And you're going to see, see what I mean uh, by that in just a few minutes. But um, for those of you that's watching by the Internet, we're going to be going in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, the 25th chapter. And we're going to start reading at verse 8. <clears throat> and this is when God spoke uh, to um, Moses about building this tabernacle. Remember, it was God's idea. It wasn't Moses' idea. It was, it was God's idea. Uh, if you go back all through the Bible, you'll find out, Brother Kyle, that it's always God seeking out man, not the other way around. Hallelujah. It's always been God seeking out man. We haven't been seeking him He'd been seeking us. Remember the garden and Adam after the fall? Adam, where art thou? Where yet? <coughs> so God wants your fellowship. He wants you to enter his presence. 
Let's read Exodus 25, <coughs> verse 8 and verse 9. And this is what he told Moses. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I showed thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. Now, I want you to understand everything about that tabernacle was designed by God for a purpose. Amen. And that's why I say that it's important still to us today. God told Moses what to do. He told him how to do it. He told him even how to place the furniture in the tabernacle. Amen. And there was a reason behind that. And he said, you tell him, and I'm going to go back and read that. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. God wants to be where we're at. Hallelujah. He wants you to enter his presence. I, I truly believe tonight that God desires us a whole lot more than we desire him. Hallelujah. God desires a communion with his creatures. Hallelujah. And so, um, the tabernacle. And um, we're going to put... Um, this diagram about that, that tabernacle. And as you're looking at that, um, the tabernacle was a tent-like structure inside a rectangular courtyard. It was facing east, surrounded by a fence made of pillows and linen hangings, and covered an area of 45 foot long, 15 foot wide, and a 15 foot high Fence covering. Now, you can see right there uh, the uh, the tabernacle, the fence, uh, and the things that are are in it. In the outer courtyard were the brazen altar nearest the entrance and the laver of water. Now, um, uh, my little pointer will not shine on that screen for some reason. Shines everywhere else. But uh, um, when you go in the, the gate of the tabernacle, the first thing you come to after you go through the gate, you come to the altar. Then there's the laver. And then you've got the tabernacle itself where is the holy, um, holy place and the holy of holies. Um, the outer courtyard, again, was the brazen altar and the labor of water. Inside the tent was the holy place, and in the holy place was a candlestick, table of showbread, and the golden altar of incense. And the holy of holies for the ark of the covenant rested. All right, so that right there is just a generalized picture. And what we want to do is think about what they did Back then, 
and how God directed it. He told Moses exactly what to do, how to do it, and how to to, um, uh, put everything. And we today can step by step learn how to get into the presence of the Lord, amen, through our prayer life by using this as a pattern to pray by. Here's what the tabernacle, if you look down from the top upon it, it pointed to the cross. The furniture was lined out inside the tabernacle itself. It was in the design of a cross. That is where um, uh, it it pointed to uh, Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. They were were sacrificing all kind of animals and stuff um, back then, but it was pointing to that better sacrifice. Remember we talked about the better sacrifice, the better covenant? And um, so um, that's what it was all about. And as we today focus on this, we can gain access into the presence of God and have uh, a beautiful relationship with him. Now, I'm going to switch back. <clears throat> to the previous screen, the first thing you come to is the outer gate of the tabernacle. And I'm going to take this slow if you um, want to take notes. Like I said, I'm going I'm to print out some copies of this uh, that, so you can use it as a prayer guide. The first step Step number one, in praying through the tabernacle, you come to the gate. Here, we enter into his gate with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. Psalms 104. When we go inside the gate of that tabernacle, all that on the outside is the courtyard of the tabernacle. That's what the psalmist said. He said, we enter into his courts with praise and thanksgiving. Um, Folks, when we go to God in prayer, don't drop down on your knees and just start saying, God, give me this, give me that. I need this and I need that. Show God a little bit of respect. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, when Jesus gave what most people today call the Lord's Prayer, which is not exactly the Lord's Prayer, it's a model prayer. He basically says the same thing. He's teaching people an order in the, in the pray. When thou, when thou pray, say, Thy Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When we begin, Brother um, um, uh, Douglas, to enter in the court, and we, we're making a journey, We're trying to get into the presence of the Lord. We start out in our prayers um, with thanksgiving uh, and and being thankful and glorifying God. When you first start praying, 
the first thing I do is say, Lord, I want to thank you, Lord. And in the morning, about, about 4 o'clock, I'll be sitting there in the living room, Lord willing. I'll be sitting there, and I'll start praying. And that's the first thing I say, Lord, I want to thank you for bringing me to the beginning of another day of life. Because if it hadn't been for the hand of God, I wouldn't have got out of bed. Hallelujah. The, the focus of prayer when you're at the gate, when you're standing at the gate of the tabernacle, thank God for every blessing and praise him for all of his mighty acts. That's what we ought to start doing the first thing when we pray. Enter into his courts with thanksgiving. Hallelujah. You'll find if you take these steps, you know, some people say, well, man, I, you know, it's hard for me to pray past two or three minutes. If you take some steps in praying like this, you'll find some time will pass. Hallelujah. Don't, don't just run through the gate, but stop there as the gate as you're entering in to the court. Hey, you're getting into beginning to take a journey into the presence of God. And when I begin to pray, I want to lift my hands and I want to say, Lord, I want to thank you for giving me life. I thank you, Lord, for giving strength in my legs that I can walk on these two legs. I don't need to be pushed in a wheelchair. Hallelujah. Amen. I thank you, Lord, for my health. I thank you for this house that I live in. This roof that we're under. Hallelujah. Thank you for the food that we eat. I give you praise. Hallelujah. I say, Lord, I thank you that all three of our children are in there in the house of God serving the Lord. There is so much that you can thank him for. Don't just, don't just rush into something. Don't just fall on your knees and start making a petition, but take some time to tell him how much you love him, how much you appreciate him. Hallelujah. That's what you're doing when you're praying through the tabernacle. You're taking some time around the gate as you enter into his courts. God, thank you for all these things. Then, once we get inside that gate, and we're in his court, and we're in the courtyard, which we're on the outside. It's, it's in the open. You're in the fenced-in area, but you're in that tabernacle proper. The first thing you come to is the brazen altar. It's the first thing you come to. And if you remember, it sets in correlation to the cross at the foot of the cross. For every time you make an altar to God, you're at the foot of the cross. You're right there, looking up to him, for he hung and bled and died for you. Hallelujah. Here I am. I'm standing at that altar. What is that altar? It's a place of sacrifice. And do you know that there's an old, old Hebrew root word that gives the devin definition of that. It actually means slaughtering place. Hallelujah. 
slaughtering place in the Hebrew. Here we come through the gate. We have praised him. We've glorified him. Thanking him for salvation. Thanking him for everything. Now we come to the altar. A slaughtering place. Now we know they killed, made animal sacrifice there. How does that correlate with us today? I tell you how. Apostle Paul said, I die daily. We got to slaughter the flesh. We got to kill the flesh. We got, if we're going to be successful in the kingdom of God, if I'm going to live for God and live pleasing for him today, I've got to lay Sammy Prude on the altar. I can't just say, well, Lord, you, you made the sacrifice. I don't have to worry about it. Listen, the altar is a place we all got to be at. Do you know if the high priest was going into the tabernacle to, to worship God in there with a the candlestick on the inside, if he come to that altar, let's say this Bible stand right here is the altar. If that priest decide to bypass the altar and go around it and go on and, and bypass the other things and go inside that holy place without stopping at each one of them, you know what would be happening? Somebody would be pulling on a rope and dragging somebody out. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's exactly right. Hallelujah. That, that priest, before he could offer Blood sacrifice for somebody's self. He had to offer for his own self first. Hallelujah. He had to make sure he was right. Hallelujah. We got a lot of churches today filled with a lot of people trying to help somebody and they didn't help their own self. Hello, somebody. They bypassing the altar. Amen. When you get to the altar and you're praying for sinful man to even approach a holy God, there must be a blood sacrifice. Jesus died as an atonement for our sins. It's that the brazen altar is where we repent. Church, repentance is not just for new sinners coming in and repenting and then going back to the baptism. Repentance is something you need, I need, we all need. So as you're praying through the tabernacle, once you give God some thanks and some praise and, and glory, the next step in your prayer is you need, to ask, you need to confess any sin in your life. You need to repent. And I, and I repent of things I know about and I bless the Lord for something I don't know about. Forgive me. Amen. Hallelujah. I also, I pray... I, I, I repent for sins uh, of uh, um, that I make. Uh, <coughs> I can't think of the word now that um, I want to use, but um, uh, yeah, I, I, I ask God to forgive me for sins that, of commission, sins that I commit, and I pray for God to uh, forgive me for sins of omission. Because there's sometimes there's some things we should have done. We didn't do. Hallelujah. Amen. We do all of that at that brazen altar. Amen. We take the time and we pray. So as you're praying in your prayer, um, 
nobody can repent for you. You can't repent for your wife, and your wife can't repent for you. You have to repent for yourself. Jesus became our sacrifice so we could receive the gift of repentance. At the altar, we search our hearts, acknowledge our sins, and ask God to forgive us. We do all of that at the brazen altar. It's where, and remember what I said at the beginning, it's a slaughtering place. It's the place where we, uh, we kill the flesh. I'm thinking about a scripture that just come to my mind where he said, let us mortify the deeds of the body. Amen. Uh, you know, if you come to God honestly and you're praying and you're down and you're at that altar and you're praying, if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life, He'll bring things to your remembrance. And I'm going to tell you something. While you are praying at the altar, this is not in my notes, but this is just beginning to flow through me here now. But if I'm at the altar, that brazen altar, and I'm repenting, and God brings to my remembrance something I said, harsh to a brother or sister. That's where Jesus told him in the New Testament, if you've got a gift at the altar, leave it. Go be reconciled to your brother, then come back. That's a step that a lot of folks are leaving out today. Now, let pastor tell you, give you something that's for real and deep right here. When somebody just comes to the Lord, their first time coming to the Lord. I'm talking about somebody from out in the world. And they ask God to forgive them. God does not expect them to go back and try to correct everything they ever did in their life before they come to Christ. But once you're a child of God, you've been serving the Lord. Amen. There are going to be some times you're going to have to make some corrections yourself. Amen. There are going to be some times you've got to get things right with your brother and sister. Amen. I have seen it. I've seen it in the church. Where somebody sit on one side and somebody sit way on the opposite side so they can't make contact with one another. Do you know how awkward that is? You ever, you ever been to a family reunion, maybe at a holiday or somebody's birthday, and you got two family members that they don't want to talk to one another? That's an awkward situation, isn't it? <clears throat> How much more the house of God? I, I mentioned this in, in preaching not long ago. It's by one thing that the world will know that we're his disciples. What was that? that we have love one for the other. Jesus says, that's how the world shall know you're my disciples. Not because you shout and speak in tongues or run the aisle. 
Amen. But you got love for one another. So, uh, repentance is not just for those coming out of the world. But church folks need it just as much as anybody else. Plus, you're in good company because Apostle Paul said, I die daily. That lets me know that Apostle Paul stopped at the brazen altar every day of his life. He took some time to make sure that Apostle Paul was right. Hallelujah. And we have got to do the same thing. Um, I am going to stop my study at that point because I don't have time to get into the next piece that we're going to come to is the, uh, is the labor, Horian's the water. And um, we will pick that up the next time, the Lord willing. But just let me say in, in, in wrapping this up tonight that if you're one of those that have a difficulty sometimes having a good prayer life and a meaningful prayer life, there's nothing better than to use this tabernacle as a prayer guide. And I've taught the tabernacle of Moses and brought all this stuff out and different things like that. But I'm not going to be taking the time to bring every, all that stuff out about it. He said, but what we're doing here is building a model to help our prayer life. And we went two steps of that tonight. The first one, we got to the gate, the beginning. And remember, be thankful and uh, enter this court with thanksgiving and praise. Hallelujah. Then the next step in our prayer is we automatically begin to uh, sacrifice the flesh, slaughter the flesh, repent. Make sure there's no unconfessed sins in our life. Because just like that priest that's making his way to the presence of God, he had to make sure each one of these steps was taken care of. If he tried to bypass them, or just do it half-hearted, he wouldn't come out of that place alive. And what we're trying to do is get in the presence of God, which in the old terminology, and you don't hear it much anymore, but in the old Pentecostal uh, terminology, when we get inside and behind that veil, it's one where you get to the place where you say, well, I've prayed through. How many remembers that, that, that terminology, praying through? A lot of our new Pentecostals don't know what that means no more. Hallelujah. But it's still good for all of us. I don't care how long you've been in it, to pray through every now and then. Hallelujah. Apostle Paul said, I pray, amen, in the spirit and I pray in the understanding. When you begin to pray in the Spirit, it's when you're prayed through. You made it. You're behind the veil. Praise the Lord. Amen. Anybody got any comments or questions about what I mentioned tonight?